Hello and welcome to Eventful, the podcast for meeting professionals. I'm your host, Lauren Edelstein with North Star Meetings Group. Eventful, the podcast, is our way of inviting you to join some of the interesting conversations we have with people in our business about topics that really should be on your radar. I look forward to hearing what you think and please be sure to subscribe. Each day brings alarming headlines about the fast-spreading coronavirus, with the numbers of people infected and countries impacted rising steadily. Health concerns haven't just halted travel in China, they've taken a toll on the global travel and meetings industry. In reality, though, there's no real reason for meetings outside of China to be canceled, according to Dr. William Spangler, a board-certified emergency physician and the global medical director for AIG Travel Guard. I spoke with Dr. Spangler last week about the realities of the risk and how we can protect ourselves in meetings on the road and at home. In short, his best advice is wash your hands. Please listen in as we had a very enlightening and fun conversation. I am a residency-trained, board-certified emergency physician with over 35 years' experience in that specialty. And I've been doing uh, travel medicine uh, since 2003 through AIG Travel Guard. I started out as a part-time person and then have been full-time for over 15 years now and the medical director for the past 11. So AIG Travel Guard is travel insurance specifically? We don't actually sell the insurance. That's AIG. But Travel Guard is a subsidiary that provides the assistance. That can be everything from lost luggage to you need an air ambulance out of Zimbabwe to literally anything involved with travel. I imagine that you've been very busy lately. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. So uh, business is good for you, but business elsewhere is not so good uh, due to this virus. So you you were in this business during SARS. Do you feel like we're experiencing similar activity in the business travel industry? And is this like SARS? Is this worse than SARS? Different is a good word. Um, it is a similar virus, the same family. However, the SARS virus had a mortality rate of anywhere from 10 to 17%. So if you got it, you could be in very serious danger. This one probably going to be far less. So while there are more people experiencing this particular disease, it is not as fatal and not as dangerous, if you will, to any individual person. That being said, uh, this one seems to affect elderly folks, obese folks, immunocompromised folks, much as a flu virus would. So obviously, it's a huge concern for the travel industry where we're flying, you know, we're in that that incubator of a virus on an airplane. <laughs> well said. I mean, should, well said. should people stop traveling? I mean, what, what do you advise or what would you advise or tell companies sure. to tell their employees who are concerned? Right. It, it all depends on so many different things, where you're going, uh, your underlying health status, and things such as that, your age, for that matter, seems this seems to be affecting older folks more. So if you're transiting through uh, Shanghai is different than taking a trip to St. John's. So it really right. depends on where you're going, uh, what the route is, uh, how you are, what is your metabolism, and what is your underlying past medical history. Uh, I think if right. you are a 65-year-old person with COPD and diabetes, China is off off the, the table. <laughs> However, right. should you cancel your trip to Cancun? I, I don't think so. 
So in, in transit, though, people are understandably concerned about being in the airport, being on a plane, coming into a hotel room. What are some of the basics that we can do to protect ourselves? From, from my understanding, a face mask, for example, I'm seeing them in the airports even you know, here, um, is not that effective. Do you agree with face masks? Being? That's correct. We'll, we'll yeah. start with face masks. Face masks, the kind that are available over the counter, are made for surgeons to keep the surgeon secretions out of the operative field. That is their purpose, and they do a good job. They are not meant to stop micron-sized organisms from getting into your body. So do they remind us to not touch our hands and face? Uh, yes, that they're very good at that. Uh, because you mm -hmm. can't pick your nose when you when you have a mask on if you're wearing it appropriately. But do they stop the transmission of this particular virus? A little bit, but not to the effect that we want. That being said, there are other masks, the N95 masks, that are personally fitted per person. We use them in the emergency department. If we have an infectious disease, perhaps, we fitted them months before and they're sitting in the in the back cabinets. Those are probably going to be fairly effective. But the average mask probably right. isn't going to do much. To answer your original question is, we should be doing things that we should be doing literally every time we travel because there, there are literally, literally thousands or millions of viruses out there and we should be cleaning all of our surfaces. When we get on the plane, you know, we've all read the stories about the tray back table. That's probably you know, right. the most horrible place on the entire plane, including the bathroom. So, yes, we need to have our handheld wipes. We have to have our little less than 3.2 ounce bottle of alcohol-based sanitizer. Yes, we have to wipe the phone and the, uh, the TV remote when we get into the hotel room. Yes, we have to stay away from that person coughing. Unfortunately, the person coughing sitting next to you, not much you can do about it these days on these full plates. Is it a risk yeah. to travel anywhere? Is the risk higher today? Depends on where you're going. Just in terms of the things that we should all be doing all the time anyway, hand washing. Amen. Should your soap, should, should your soap be antibacterial or does it not matter? Yeah. Turns out so it makes absolutely no difference. It, it, okay. it's, it's the physical motion of washing your hands for 20 seconds. Soap or no soap, right. actually. Soap certainly helps. But if you don't have it, just the running water and the, and the friction on your hands is what makes a difference. So washing hands is certainly very, very, very necessary. Now, there's not a sink everywhere. So that's why the little bottle of the alcohol-based sanitizer is so important. You use that as often as you want. Do you think, so in a business setting, we're shaking people's hands, we're sitting in close <laughs> proximity. How, how, does, how does this danger affect meetings. Um, we, right. We've been writing about meetings where, you know, they're advising like a fist bump or an elbow tap or yep. bowing, yep. you know, yep. more in Asian yep. cultures. We were, I, I was talking about it yesterday with some of the nurses, actually. It's kind of funny that maybe we all ought to just do our fist bump thing. I, we thought about the elbow thing, but now we're supposed to sneeze and cough into our elbows. Maybe that's not a good idea. True. <laughs> I didn't think about that. <laughs> But, uh, right. yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a thing, something we need to worry about. I mean, during flu season, I never shake my patient's hands. During the summer, I tend to. So I think it's just a matter of knowing what's in the environment and knowing what's out there, that if you're going to shake hands, you know, it's kind of rude to turn around and use your alcohol sanitizer, but it's not totally inappropriate infectious disease-wise. 
Yeah, I, I'm just recalling that I was at a meeting recently and a guy obviously had a cold and, you know, sorry, you have, a, have I'm a little under the weather and then shakes my hand. And I'm thinking, what do I do with my hand now? <laughs> just like politely get through the conversation and run for the rest Exactly. Maybe this is, is helping us in, in the long term to make us more sensitive mm-hmm. to such things. And maybe when you have a cold, let's stay home. Let's not go to the office. Let's not shake hands. Let's self-impose a little quarantine around ourselves. Maybe this will do that. Uh, I read an article the other day where a doctor said, well, maybe the the regular old flu season won't be so bad this year because people are actually washing their hands like we've been telling them to for 20 years. Apparently, this is spreading very quickly. And I, I was on the World Health Organization website today and there were some statistics saying that each infected person is passing the virus on to between two and three other people, and that right. that's the reproduction number of the virus. If it's higher than one, then it's a self-sustaining virus that is not going to disappear on its own. Very well, very well interpreted. Yes, basically that means that any one index person will spread it to approximately 2.5 other people if they are not you know, quarantined and don't take appropriate precautions and what have you. And of course, in the first month of this uh, epidemic, we didn't really know that much. And people were out and still going, you know, in China, going to businesses and, and kissing their families and all those kind of things. And it spread like wildfire. The hope is that now that we know that, uh, hopefully we can get a handle on that and bring it down as quickly as possible. But that's about average for a virus of this type is somewhere around 2.5 people will get it if you sneeze on them. Let's put it that way. Right. So some groups, according to the WHO, are saying that the number of cases is doubling every five to seven days. Do you feel that that's accurate? I'm looking at the numbers. I'm looking at the chart right now, the one from Johns Hopkins. It, uh, it's not quite that bad. However, my concern is, that, you know, this chart I'm looking at is, as we speak says 43,144 people have this disease. It's probably multitudes of that because how many literally tens of thousands of people are not going to the hospital, are healthy, are staying home, or in China are afraid to go to the hospital for fear they will be separated from their families. So yeah, I think the numbers are far higher than what we've seen. However, I don't think that the deaths are all that much higher. So is the death rate 2% or is it actually much lower than that simply because we don't have the top number as a correct number? And do you see, you know, given the rate that it's uh, multiplying this becoming a, a global pandemic? No, I, I can't predict the future, of course, uh, you know, but right. looking at it right now, we're now a, a month or so in, 42,000 of the cases are in China of the grand total of 43,000. So the overwhelming majority are still in mainland China. Now we're seeing bump ups in Hong Kong, Singapore, Thailand, the surrounding areas, but still in the United States we're what, at uh, 13. So is okay. this something like a 1918 flu where it killed 10% of the population? No, I don't think we're going to see that. Will it spread further? Almost undoubtedly, simply because people are still moving. It's markedly restricted, which you can still get out of Shanghai and Beijing. So yes, it will spread, but will it become that you know, 10% death rate population that we had back in right. 1918? I don't believe so. And the who doesn't either. I understand that, you know, a number of entities are trying to develop a vaccine, but that that probably would take six months to several years. 
Yes, um, unfortunately, that's just how long it takes. Yeah. Um, so th- this will this you know will probably be hopefully burned out by then. But this may be one of those viruses that is just going to be with us forever. And one we, we you know, may be routinely vaccinated against. It may become the next measles, chickenpox, whatever, where we're all going to be immunized against it to keep it under control. Again, just don't know. We're too early and there's too many things that can happen. Mm-hmm. And when you say hopefully it will burn out by then, what has to happen for it to burn out? Basically, the, the what is being done, everybody has to wash their hands. Let's start with that. And right. we need to keep, you know, those people that are affected, not, uh, I hate to use the word quarantine because it sounds like they're put in prison and, and be, you know, saran wrap wrapped around the thing. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about staying home, taking care of yourself. Because again, remember, the vast majority of people that get this, it's a nasty flu. It lasts a few days and you're okay. So mm-hmm. if those people can stay home and we can just not have that one person hit 2.5 other people, as we just talked about, then those numbers will go down simply due to attrition. This seems like maybe it's just, you know, just another strain of flu. I mean, can you compare it to that in terms yeah. of how it spreads and how severe? Sure. This- in some ways, you're, you're exactly right. It is, you know, the coronavirus is, there's multiple, SARS was, MERS was, uh, all of the viruses are somewhat similar in that they're spread in this particular one, probably by droplet. Again, we're not even sure of that at this point. So they're all very, very similar. They're all act the same way. Why is this particular one being so problematic? Probably because nobody has immunity to it. Uh, a lot of times, you know, you're next to the person on the plane that has a cold, but you don't get it. Maybe you're immune to it already, or maybe you're taking mm-hmm. appropriate precautions. So it's just, it's way too early to tell. There's so many questions that no one can answer. And I read the CDC and the WHO websites every day, and they're really hedging their bets. They don't want to make predictions because they just don't know. And, and I applaud them for being so honest about that. I understand that when at first the outbreak was discovered, there was not a lot of honesty coming out of Chinese officials in terms of not wanting to scare people away or admit that there was a problem. Sure. That, that um, being said, the Chinese yeah. were very open with, with, you know, they sequenced the virus within the first week or so and, and gave it to the world. I mean, they, they let the, everyone in the scientific community know that this, they had gene sequenced the virus and here it is. Please help us. Uh, so that was right. good. And, that, you know, and we'll try to find a drug for it. We'll try to find a vaccine for it. And we're trying different things. And then they're doing studies as we speak. So they're being more open than I would expect for a communist country. But we still uh-huh. have to question the numbers. still need to question the numbers. So in terms of what what we can do as meeting professionals, besides rethinking, handshaking, when you've got 20,000 people coming to a convention center, <laughs> what are some of the things we can do? Right. I mean, it goes everywhere from knowledge, I think is very important. The, the, the second slide after the uh, hello, welcome slide is, did you wash your hands today? <laughs> so make people think about these things, remind them, have the alcohol-based sanitizers throughout the, the conference area so people just run into them and use them automatically. You don't have to have to say, oh, they're over there in the corner. You just automatically run into them and you use them. So So awareness, education is so very important. To the point of anybody that coughs has to leave, or do you check temperatures on everyone? There, there are buildings in the Far East where you don't enter the building without getting scanned for your temperature. So there's everything along that line, and depending on where your conference is and who's coming and where they're coming from, you have to pick where you want to go on that line. You know, we're seeing a lot of cancellations, even to Europe. Um, Sony and yeah. Amazon backed out of a tech conference in Europe. Wow. You know, so... 
and maybe that's a little bit excessive, but erring on the side of caution. However, that's going to be very, very damaging to, you know, not just the meetings industry, but all the businesses involved in the meetings industry and the people that attend these conferences are trying to get some value out of it. Do you feel that that's, that we're overreacting to an extent? Looking at the numbers, 14 in Germany, 11 in France, to eight in the UK. So, you know, it, Europe, uh, you got to question it, but I, I can't say, of course, have your meeting. Everybody's, you know, do, do fine. Everybody, everything's going to be well because we don't know. So I don't say you shouldn't do it. I mean, it has to be a corporate decision that's made with, with knowledge from a number of different sources, not only the bean counter guys, but the medical guys. And I will tell you that at my particular corporation, we literally have a daily meeting at two o'clock to discuss this issue. So just in terms of how uh, deadly this is, how does it compare sure. to the death rate of the flu, the flu as we sure. know it? The, the flu as we know it most probably has about a 0.1% mortality rate, we think. But then again, we're talking literally millions of people every year get the flu and literally hundreds of thousands die worldwide. If you want to get some perspective, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of people die every year of the flu. And yet, well, I don't really want to get my flu shot. Mm. So, yes, per person, this is probably more dangerous, but your risk of getting it is infinitesimally small compared to the flu. So you're more likely to get the flu just, you know, traveling to a, a conference and being exposed to people in the airplane, in the airport, everywhere you go, than than getting coronavirus, just statistically. At, at, at this point in time, the answer is an absolute yes. And in fact, here in Houston, flu is now endemic, and I literally see multiple cases every time I worked in emergency department shift this week. One uh, of the recommendations from the WHO is to avoid consumption of raw or undercooked um, animal foods. Why is that? Sure. The reason would be is we feel that this is a virus that lived in the wild population, most likely in bats, and the bat doesn't seem to, to mind the virus. Uh, however, then when the bat becomes in contact with another animal and that animal is then consumed or, or handled in the market, they believe in, in this case, that's where it jumped. That's where it made the jump from the animal world to human world. So that's why that is uh, prohibited. So basically you're eating something that's an animal product that, and the animal had been exposed to this through a bat or a rodent or something. And they're not even sure it's even eating because maybe cooking may actually destroy the virus. It's actually handling it. And that's why that market was closed down so quickly because people were not only eating, but they were also handling such products. Right. You know, it's, I never think about, I know you're supposed to wash your hands well if you're handling like a raw chicken (laughs) or something like that, but I never quite connected it to catching a virus that the animal would have had. No, no, because in in our, in our United States, I mean, that things are worked and there it's more of a bacterial uh, problem. It's the, the, the the staff and the strap and what have you that are on the the cooking surface and what have you. So it's more of a bacterial thing than a viral thing. This is more of a, well, let's just compare it to, to Ebola, which was probably first in monkeys. So that's similar concept. SARS, you know, most likely in, in, in cats or bats. What does this do for sushi? Is it, do we have to be worried about sushi or is it not in fish? This is my primary question. <laughs> to my knowledge, there has been no such thing from fish that I am aware of. And, uh, and okay. I, I, I agree with you. That is a very important question. Important, yeah. 
So I, I think, you know, I think part part of the concern in the travel industry is that misperceptions will make this worse than it needs to be for businesses. Agreed. Because the, the question is going to be is that, you know, that one person that had a cough at the conference and then everybody goes home and then somebody else gets a cough. I mean, instantly in this today, it's going to be, oh, it's coronavirus. You have to go to the doctor. Right. And you have to send things off to the State Department. You know, it's more more than likely it's a cold. But right. not knowing is just so scary that people don't want to take that risk. And I understand that. But medically speaking, yeah, I, I'm having trouble getting too uh, overworked up about it. Now, that's easy to say sitting in Houston, Texas. I'm not sitting in Hubei province. You know, I think the overall message is that if you're going to China, you know, where it's really severe and actually a lot of transportation infrastructure and other things that you would right. do there if you were meeting there are not even operating. So, so then it's more obvious that you're going to, that you're going to probably cancel. But when you're going to a Europe and you, 12 people in the UK are infected, then it's really more of a non-issue, correct? It's not called a non-issue. Call it a something yeah. in the back of your mind and you know, use the appropriate precautions, which again, we should be doing anyway. It's winter flu season. Right. We should be doing this anyway. Right. I think even um, you know the little the little bottles of hand sanitizer make a good yep. giveaway at a conference. You could give them out at <laughs> yes. you know, registration with a sponsor logo Brilliant. on them. You know, really, Brilliant. you know, send the message that we need to be be careful. You know, yep. it's a good point about the elbow bumping if you're sneezing into <laughs> your elbow not being great. But you know, what do you see as being an alternative to the to the human contact when we meet somebody in a yeah, business that's, that's And that's going to be a cultural thing that may change over time, but um, it, it's so early in this thing, I really can't tell you, but shaking hands certainly is a possibility. I mean, we've pretty much proven that, you know, the person that handles the doorknob and then the person behind them handles the doorknob. Can common viruses be transferred that way? Yes, of course they can, which is why we need right. to wash our hands all the time. We have to take control of ourselves. We're not going to be able to fix the yeah. other person who decides to come in the office when they're sick, but I can move away. I can use my hand sanitizer. I can wash my hands every other hour. Uh, I can take appropriate precautions. And if I get sick, I stay home. And that's really key. I think especially people are traveling to a meeting, well, I've come all this way and I'm a, a speaker yeah. <laughs> and I'm on the panel and I can't possibly not go. But I think we need to really look at the greater good and, you know, yes. and have the you know, health and safety of others in mind. Agreed. Um, Agreed. Yeah. So things like doorknobs, though, would you be like in a hotel or <laughs> anywhere, like wiping doorknobs down? Yeah, yeah. I think in, in in your own room, the answer is probably yes. Um, in right. corporate, a lot of a lot of corporate America now. That's and again, it doesn't take a um, a super hospital grade anti disinfectant. Yeah. It's just basically simple hygiene, all right, which we have been right. lax about, and we can't be anymore. Right. And do you think looking more at how a how a venue is being cleaned might be important? You know, like before my group comes or when my group comes are are the doorknobs and toilets and whatever everything else like sanitized daily. 
Right. The question is, does it make a huge difference if one person decides not to not, you know, to not cover their mouth and what have you? It's hard right. to say. Does it does it set the appropriate setting? Yes, it does. Does it send the right message that we as a corporate culture care about you and care about your health? Yes, it does. Right. So I'm yeah. not convinced that it makes a difference as far as transmission is concerned, but it sets the right tone, sets the right message, and hopefully people are listening. Yeah, of caution. Good. Is there anything I I haven't touched on that you believe is important, you know, for the travel and meetings business about this virus? No, not really. It's it's just keep an open mind and an open eye. Uh, the the WHO and the CDC every day update their sites. They've been very very good about it. They've been very honest in saying a lot of times we don't know. And and again, that impresses me greatly. Um, so follow those sites I do every day. They're, they're, they're easy to read. They're meant for the lay public. Uh, and I would highly recommend that they be followed on a regular basis. Thank you so much for your advice. I hope the next time we, we talk, it will be <laughs> about how we resolved this problem and maybe on to the next. <laughs> but yeah, I if you're talking to me, your... it's probably not. A, if, if you're talking to me, it's probably not a good thing, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> we shall see. But thanks again. I appreciate the input and advice. My thanks for listening. Be sure to rate and review us, and check back for new episodes soon.